Hi, this is Marie Cha. If you like what you hear on Making Contact, now is the time to go to radioproject.org. Click the big red-hearted donate button at the top of the page and help us get community voices heard. Thanks, and here's this week's show. Hi, I'm Anita Johnson, and this week on Making Contact, we explore how youth poets are using spoken word to change lives and transform the world, a new narrative via the hands of the next generation. Stay tuned. Welcome to the 20th annual Brave New Voices. We are very excited to have you here. I'm just going to say what's up for a couple minutes and then get off the stage. Um, But first of all, I want to thank you. And I want to acknowledge all the hard work that everybody has done to be here tonight. And not just the incredible You Speak staff and all the different people who've helped produce this festival and put it on, but I know how hard all the adults in the room, you've been working, working with the young poets. I know how hard all you poets have been working on the work that you've been working at home to get here. I know how hard you all been fundraising to get here. I know the travel, everything. So thank you. Because an idea doesn't mean that people don't participate. So thank you all for participating. Over 600 youth poets from around the globe were in attendance for the Brave New Voices International Youth Poetry Slam Festival. The four-day event, hosted by Youth Speaks, has become one of the world's largest youth-centered spoken word festivals. For the past 20 years, BMV has offered young poets the opportunity to share their views on topics such as police brutality, racism, immigration, identity, and mental illness. I struggle with mental illness, and I've struggled with mental illness for five years, ever since I was 11. That 16-year-old poet, Kayla Kitchen, from San Francisco. My best friend killed herself over the phone with me when I was 13, and that definitely fuels my writing. And going from someone who has tried multiple times, more than 10, someone who has been dying one night only to wake the next and forget about it, like it never happened. I write. I write because I am queer. I write because I am mentally ill, and people don't see that as a real problem. Kayla's struggle with mental illness highlights her resiliency, and now she's inspired to reach her peers through spoken word. As an adolescent, I was told I have borderline, and I'm 16, and it can't be diagnosed. But to live the way I have lived for five years and not know what my diagnosis was because people didn't really believe that adolescents could have it, that has killed me. But I am proud to be here and to keep writing because I want to be a voice for the voiceless because not everybody can get on this stage. Not everybody can get on this stage and do what I do. And I am just so thankful to be here now because I tried to commit suicide. I ended up in Malibu in rehab somewhere. I voluntarily went because I knew there was a sliver that wanted to live. And I've been out of rehab for a month and I am here on this stage and I can spill my story. And as long as I'm reaching some girl, some guy, anybody in the crowd that felt the same way I do and feels the same way I do, if I could reach them and tell them that it's okay to be this way, that's why I write. There are six colors in the rainbow. Red, resentment, rage, 
counting the drops of blood shed from the actions we never took, from the words never said, the love never shared because our love was never good enough, regret. Roses of recovery bloom but still prick when taken in hand, lodged between skin and muscle. Growing aside, crimson curtains close to the outside world. You cannot see what I feel, but when you start to feel it for yourself, the thorns will come. Orange. Outside. Outcast. Outbursts of sun turn sunlight, water turns gold, earth turns home, yet we do not live in harmony. We fear what we don't know. But what if I told you I could see sunlight from closet door, gold woven in the hands of a woman home in what people could never understand because they never had the courage to come out, yellow, you, yearning, waiting for hope to knock at our front door. Assure us that we can come outside, that with hope comes change, comes courage, comes love. Despite the red flags, red hearts beat louder than sirens. Speak more truth than our words. Your heart will guide the way to your love. Only if you let it grow green. Guidance, going, moving towards green grass, clearing picket signs and white fences so we can walk the street hand in hand and not feel guarded. So I can kiss you in public and not notice the staring, the judgment, the glaring. If Fire becomes fear. I want to turn to water to put the fire out. Blue, black, and blue. Bruises in places I never thought they'd bloom. I did not know a heart could be broken when loving behind bars of binding Bibles, labeling our love as a sin when I attend church every Sunday. How can God hate me when he is supposed to love all of his children regardless of who I lay with in bed? Purple. Persistence, perseverance, peeling petals from protester pigment, taking the hate as a compliment. When told that gay, I say, thank you. I say, I try to pour queerness into every black hole that may be your heart. All six colors of the rainbow. A flag that stands for more than just an ununited nation, but a person. A feeling. An outcast named unaccepted. Named Curious, named confused. Outcast sits in the back of the class, wears nothing but black to disguise their color palette. Outcast is left to melt into the white tile, weave within the pencil shavings scattered across the floor. The truth is, we cannot erase what has been done to us. But we can continue writing our story. Give Outcast a voice because we are not outcasts. We are not your discomfort, nor are we here to please you. I'm, I might feel bad about it on my own, but I wouldn't want to be any other way. Simply water turned, watercolor turned gay. For many of the young poets, the Brave New Voices Festival is liberating and transformative because it allows for expression without judgment. 17-year-old Victor Massoni from Chicago. It's taught me to allow myself to be vulnerable 
you know, and also just be expressive in whatever I do. And it's giving me a platform to speak a story that's not only mine, you know, but a story that someone else has or a story that someone else can't tell because they feel like they're not able to or they're just incapable of doing so, you know. So this, um, this work has given me the ability to put words together in a way that, you know, tells a story that, you know, not many people know how to tell especially when it's personal or when it's very relatable to my personal life or someone that I know. Another youth poet, 17-year-old Quentin Campbell Rod from New York, acknowledges that sharing your most personal stories on stage can make you extremely vulnerable. But that's not stopping him. You leave it all out on the stage. Like, people say that you leave your heart on the stage, and that's a quite literal term when you're talking about slam poetry. You put your entire truth out there. No matter how harsh, no matter how funny, no matter how sad it is, being able, to, being willing to share that—that that, that's always a great uh, form of liberation, right there. And according to Ariel Marie from Atlanta, the Brave New Voices International Spoken Word Festival not only brings young people together, but it also highlights perspectives from a generation that is often stereotyped and pigeonholed. I think our young people are categorized as lazy or um, apathetic or um, out of touch or um, prioritizing the wrong things. And I think that what is easy is to look at a, a young uh, at a generation that is completely transforming communication, completely transforming identity. And like because those things are new, um, Otherwise, then, uh, what is more difficult and, and more rewarding is to um, take what is being transformed, what is being re rebirthed, and um, learn it and, and um, adopt it and accept it. Tish Jones is a Brave New Voices Leadership Fellow and the director of last year's festival. She says that Brave New Voices is not just about expression, it's about creating a much needed counterculture. Part of what this is doing is pushing back against the dominant narrative, right? So you see certain people, uh, because of the history of this country and anti-blackness, anti-queerness, anti-brown anti folks, um, et cetera, et cetera, you see people and you immediately write them off and you may not even know it. You're indoctrinated into sort of this dominant culture thing, right? So what this space does is it flips that, right? It's like, I'm going to put before you someone brilliant that you may not have ever considered they are going to blow you away you should be listening to these folks brave new voices tish's declaration of these young people's brilliance is displayed throughout the four-day festival a festival that welcomes young people from all walks of life and is big on inclusion one of the performance spaces called curiosity a safe space for queer youth poets and allies to explore topics like perceptions of sexuality and gender. And on the second day of the festival, I met up with 17-year-old Aisha June, a youth poet from Chicago, whose poem titled Honey and Oats is about heartbreak and our own liberation. The first time I saw you and him kiss, it felt like hot stones pressing into my chest. Dark skin, fine. 6'2 with the six-pack, he stole your love again from me. All I could do was watch it happen. Called what pain I couldn't describe an allergy attack. 
Y'all lips mix like peanut butter to jelly. Can't wait to escape this moment, keep head up, eyes burn. I banish them pupils to the back of my head, roll them back so far you don't see me cry. Flashing back to when my world, our world, was two brown-bodied girls rolling around on fresh green grass prodding at our skin. The smell of dirt in the air, our imagination so big, we went past every picket fence and front lawn. We'd roam through woods on Saturday afternoons, backpacks filled with cheese sticks and fun dips for thought. You were my best friend, and I was in love with you. Not that way, cute and coincidental, light and airy, but this way, the kind of way that I'd do anything for you. Way back out in those woods before city lights became a thing, you'd run to me. Only promise to keeping you mine was adding Nature Valley bars to the menu and forever. You must have grew out of tasting honey and oats. I feel a sting as I snap back to reality. You move away from his kiss, taking leaps closer to see my burnt out eyes. I reek of honey and oats more familiarly known to you as past empathetic. Your lips pop open, you say, did you see it? He finally kissed me. My throat too sore to say it hurt. Crackled vibrations bubble up from my larynx. I must have missed it. I must have missed it. I remember the first time you kissed me. Only for fun. Only when you needed your practice for him. Only when you were bored enough to try my lips out like a new flavor of gum. Only when we would sit in back corner of room away from window while your mom was asleep, I held you. We were locked into each other. You said you'd never let me go, but you did. Maybe if I were big enough, man enough, straight enough to convince you that I could be more than a secret you were too afraid to admit. Maybe you would be proud to say that the first time you kiss someone, it wasn't him, it was me. Wow. Tell our listeners a little bit about the poem that you just read and what inspired that. Yes, my poem is uh, Honey and Oats. It is a queer love story. I say what inspired it is some queer old heartbreak. <laughs> and um, and I was, I was in a workshop uh, at the Goodman for our poetry team, and it was a first-time poem. And so I had wrote it, and the interesting thing is that a, when at the space and time when I had wrote it, I felt as though it was still at a time where I was very new to my queerness and my identity. And the fact that I was able to get up in front of people, get up in front of like 600 like, or oh, to like a thousand people, I don't even know how many people were there, and be able to state that poem and state my ground and state my identity that way, it really is, it's almost like, I don't even know, like eye-opening, like nostalgic. I don't even know what the word is for it. But just to think back two years ago when I had wrote that poem, I felt too scared to even use the pronouns of a girl to even show that this was a poem about a girl. So I switched them up. 
But then through the process and through the age and through time, I've slowly like been able to develop comfortability and unlike feeling natural in my own body and feeling safe. And I'm just glad that spaces like these, spaces like Brave New Voices, spaces like Youth Speaks, spaces like Young Chicago Authors, shout out to Louder Than a Bomb Poetry, uh, have allowed me to hone my voice and to be proud of my identity. Aisha says, What informs her writing is her ability to observe life in all its fullness and the exploration of her own identity as a young, black, queer woman. I work from a place of exploring my own identity and building art from that. So my experiences and taking in and accounting for the experience of others so like when I am, my coach always says this, his name is Bobby Bedrisky, and he always says that when writing poetry, try and think of the moment that this comes from and try, and Gwendolyn Brooks has this really great quote and she's like, poetry is life distilled. And that's what informs my writing is life. It's soaking it all in. So when I go and I'm, that's why I'm glad I'm here. Because I, it's life. This is life happening. This is poetry happening. This is experiences happening. And I can use this experience, observe it, soak it all in, react to it, and write and make more work from it. The experience of life happening, good or bad, and one's ability to react in itself is the transformative power of poetry. A piece by 21-year-old Brave New Voices participant, Aaliyah Bradshaw, explores the appropriation of blackness. Another example of how young poets are using spoken word as a mechanism for social change. Fashion magazine in the checkout line reads, blank is the new black. Cover shows white faces with black feature. Pages be white with black feature left out this issue cause sales were down and the white girls The white girls rave about it on their black and white blogs with only white models, and I wonder how I came to fall so deeply in love with an industry that never quite loved me black. Ain't it interesting how black never really go out of style, how the best accessories always be black. Don't black just pair well with everything like black stilettos and black lips or black hips on anything except actual black body, or black dress and statement headband, or black death and statement headline portraying black child as anything except actual black child, or little black boots and cross body bag, or little black boy and body bag, body bound forever on black pavement outlined in white chalk talk about an iconic duo. What matches made in white heaven to be black and on somebody arm? Or black and on somebody payroll to be black body and black tie walking around like I might just get buried in this, who knows? Dressed to the nines like the nines might shoot out ballroom and bullet like I might dance myself dead tonight like this ain't Yeezy open season four like I might catwalk my way into casket and see my skirt on a white girl tomorrow. Blood still on it and everything. Magazines wondering who wore it best. Damn near call white the new black. Meanwhile, me, 
in the perspicuity of my still black ghost, host a fashion show for all us ratchets, all us hood rats, all us old blacks who sat back and waited for our insecurities to become fad again, waited for the white women to shave their heads and declare the war finally over, as if we didn't have to be big curl afro fist up to be called half the feminist she is, as if we get to be both revolutionary and still alive, as if every black god died for white sins and white sins only, as if we ain't ready, waiting, Wondering when they'll come running to our graves in the black of night with they knives to carve the culture out us, spread it all over their skin like that new raw shea butter thing they just read about. And watch the prices go up. And watch how all of a sudden I'm too poor to look like me. So, they build a new body out my bones, call it evolution, skin me with surgical knife and say they don't really believe in blood, don't really see color much, but still somehow know that this particular shade of red, didn't you hear, this red be the new black. You're listening to We Got Next, Youth Poets Changing the World on Making Contact. To find out more about this week's show, check out our website at radioproject.org. Subscribe to our podcast, sign up for Making Contact updates, take our survey, or join the conversation on Facebook or Twitter. Now back to the show. For the past 20 years, Brave New Voices has challenged mainstream culture and created spaces that welcome and encourage marginalized youth to speak up about their life experiences all through poetry. Youth Speaks founder and executive director, James Cass. So look, I think the thing that we've always done here at Youth Speaks, which has manifested the most in Brave New Voices, is we thought that the dominant narrative of the United States was We thought that the way that young people were being presented, represented in the media was we thought that the way poetry and writing and performance was taught was And we thought that there were real opportunities to give young people an opportunity to both write and tell their own story and create their own identity and break the very boxes of identity that was foisted upon them. Um, but we also thought that by bringing these different young people together, we could change the way the narrative of young people in our country. and. and Part of why we've always pushed to grow Brave New Voices and to have more people and more young people participate from more communities is that we know the true stories of this country and beyond won't be told until more people have voice to tell the story. So it's, from us, it's, from the beginning, Brave New Voices was always a space where we wanted a space where each young person could be celebrated. We wanted to combat the silencing that they've felt in their life or when they were alienated or isolated. And we wanted to show each young person, there is a community for you. There's a community of people who have same experiences and similar experiences to you, but there's also a community of people who have different experiences. But you are all of a generation and something is happening now in the world that you're a part of. How do you create a space in which young people can tell the world who young people are? Always been about giving as many opportunities to as many young people as possible to tell their own stories. 
And for many young people, it's a world that either denies them or limits their access, the opposite of Brave New Voices. Spoken word is so accessible to so many young people. It's just a pen and a paper. It's just a mouth and a microphone. Because I was 26, 27 when I started it, and now I'm in my late 40s. And when we were filming the HBO show in 2008 in Washington, D.C., they were very interested in the competition element of the Poetry Slam. The Slam is really just a tool to get kids to participate. But once we're at the festival, we don't care who wins. It's just about what it is you guys can do and how you meet each other and who you can become. They're like, no, this is our space. And we're not going to fake the way we feel about this space. This space is too sacred for us. And so they start doing the chant that's become somewhat of a BNV tradition. The BNV ain't nothing to f with. Those stick with me very specifically. But the great memories are just many. I am so proud and honored by the work that the rest of the staff and the young people do and the way that the field has grown and the way that um, this work has expanded. My hope is 10 years from now, 20 years from now, we can say Brave New Voices is still happening, Youth Speaks is still around. Programmatically, it might be 100% different. It might be a totally different organization doing totally different work. And as long as that fundamental principle of like, give young people the space to tell their stories, to find out who they are, to find out how they want to tell their stories and to give them audience to do that, I'll be eternally grateful. And it's that very sentiment that has resonated with so many youth poets. Sure, taking home a trophy that acknowledges your team as the best Grand Slam champions in the world is a huge accomplishment. But to most, it's about creating community and lifelong connections. Victor Massoni. I've always thought, like, the way this competition is organized, you know, like, the whole idea of the points in the slam not being the most important thing. Before the competition, you know, there is workshops, there is building, like activities to build with other people, you know, so it's like you have the opportunity to get to know everyone before you compete against them because it's like that's, it's not the most important thing to be, to compete, it's the most important thing to get the best out of this festival and that's new relationships with people, you know, new um, connections and just new ideas on what the life you're living and why you're here. You know, and I make such amazing connections. Like I still talk to people from 2015. In the future future, I hope to be back as Future Corp. I've always wanted to do that. It looks fun. They look like they have a lot of fun. I just, I wanna be involved in this in any shape or form, you know, like whether that's Future Corp, whether, whether that's um, a competitor, whether that's media, you know, just a volunteer, you know, any form or fashion. Over the past two decades, Youth Speaks, Brave New Voices has provided a platform for thousands of young poets, many of whom have gone on to become active in their communities. It's created a culture of artistic expression, peer mentorship, and youth leadership that has indelibly left its mark on the spoken word scene. The name, Brave New Voices, says it all. Their mantra, the next generation can speak for itself, and that they have. For Making Contact, I'm Anita Johnson.
And that'll do it for this edition of Making Contact. We got next, Youth Poets Changing the World. To find out more about this show, go to our website at radioproject.org. You can also subscribe to our podcast or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Our handle is making underscore contact. Special thanks to Youth Speaks and all the youth poets. This show was produced by Anita Johnson. Lisa Rubman is our executive director. Making contact producers are Marie Che, Monica Lopez, Arja Lazada, and Anita Johnson. Audience engagement director is Sabine Blazin. Development associate is Viratite Kolsker. And I'm Anita Johnson. Thanks for listening to Making Contact.